Today's scripture is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. Um, please look at your bulletin. Today, you have your part. Don't miss it. In the year of the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty. And the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraph were in attendance above them. Each has six wings, with two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called. And the house filled with smoke. And I said, Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongues. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blurted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Amen. Every so often, I'll see a link to one of those websites that shows the most popular baby names for each year going back to like 1890. It's interesting to see how names come in and out of fashion how Richard and Greg and Robert over time give way to Noah and Liam and Aiden. But you can look through hundreds of years of popular baby names and you will notice that Uzziah never makes it onto that list. In fact, the only time you ever hear that name, Uzziah, is probably when you read this story about the call of the prophet Isaiah. We probably wouldn't even know the name Uzziah if it wasn't for this story. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, says Isaiah. Why do you think those who recorded Isaiah's words for the ages thought it was important to include that detail, the year that King Uzziah Maybe it's because Uzziah, according to all available records, was a fairly successful king. He came to the throne when he was 16 years old and reigned for 52 years. He defeated military rivals. He built cities and fortifications and oversaw the development of what was, at that time at least, innovative technological advances. But I don't think that's why 
They mentioned Uzziah here at the beginning of this story because the most significant thing noted about Uzziah in this passage is none of those things. The most important thing this story tells us about King Uzziah is that he is dead. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. In the ancient world, the death of a king was a scary time. When the king died, there was often an ugly, violent struggle for power among those who wanted to be king next and their followers. When a king died, the nation was especially vulnerable to attacks from foreign powers. When a king died, everyone was anxious, on edge, defensive. Everyone wondered, what will the new king be like, really? What factions will he favor? Who will have his ear? Will he be a just and a generous ruler, or will he be corrupt and cruel? And those whose lives were already precarious, the poor, the widows, the orphans, the captives, the lame, the outcasts, the aliens living in that land, they worried and they wondered, what will my life be like now? Will the new king protect and defend me, or will the new king make my life worse than ever? The death of a king in the ancient world brought on a time of great upheaval and uncertainty, a time commingled, a time when all anyone could talk about is what will happen next. As happens often in times of great political transition. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Isaiah's vision came to him in a time like this. A time like ours. And I think that this is good news because times like Isaiah's, like ours, cry out for vision, real vision, God-inspired vision, not pundits prognosticating, not pollsters polling, not Wednesday morning quarterbacking and hand-wringing, but vision, a long-seeing, deeply abiding vision of who we are who God is, and who we are called to be in the world. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance upon him. Each had six wings. They covered their faces. They covered their eyes. They flew. And they said to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. At this experience of God's mind-blowing glory and holiness, Isaiah cried out, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a person of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and yet my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. It's no surprise that someone who has an intense experience of God's greatness and holiness would have a heightened awareness of his own smallness and sinfulness. But I've always wondered why Isaiah described this as having unclean lips 
and dwelling among a people of unclean lips. But now, I have a theory. My theory is that the year that King Uzziah died, that year that everyone was anxious and defensive, I'm guessing that people were speaking to each other in ways that we would recognize from our own turbulent time. Angry, demonizing, hateful, accusing, full of fear. I wonder if Isaiah, like me, had taken part in some of those conversations, trying to be peaceful, understanding, reasonable, open-minded, but in the end, giving in to temptation to be snarky and scornful. There was no internet in Isaiah's day, to be sure, but surely there was an equivalent back then of hitting like or sharing a Facebook post that heaps scorn on those with whom one disagrees or spreads false reports or sensationalized rumors. Maybe Isaiah had been on the receiving end of some of those scornful assaults. Maybe he lived in dread of the next proclamation to come down from the palace or the temple. Maybe by the time of his vision, he'd already watched as hateful words gave birth to violent actions. I wonder if in those days of turmoil at the death of a king, some had already taken advantage of the chaos to do evil deeds. I understand now, much better, Isaiah's cry of despair, woe is me, I am lost. I am a person of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. I'm sure that in that year that Uzziah died, many people just wanted to check out. They wanted to shield themselves from alarming news or disturbing developments. I'm sure that in that year that King Uzziah died, many people wanted to take shelter, to just stay among those they knew were safe, and to associate only with people they knew agreed with them. I'm sure that in that year that King Uzziah died, many people were like Isaiah, practically paralyzed with dread and the knowledge of their own complicity in the poison spreading around them. I'm sure that in that year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah was not the only one crying out, woe is me. And then into the cacophony of those unclean voices comes the voice of God. One of the seraphs flew to me holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now this has touched your lips. Your guilt has departed. Your sin is blotted out. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? In times of turmoil and transition and anxiety and fear, God speaks a word. God speaks a word that tells us that it is not God's desire for us in these times to remain trapped by anxiety or fear or guilt. God's desire for us is not that we remain paralyzed by dread. God's desire is to send to us a holy fire to set us free, an angel that will unbind us and then send us out. Send us out to be what we were always created to be, and that is creatures created in God's image, to be God's image. We are created in God's image, created to reveal God, to reveal God's love, 
God's compassion, God's mercy, God's justice, God's grace, wherever we are and wherever we go. Whom shall I send? Ask God, who will go for us? Who will go for me, says God, into the turmoil? Who will go to the places where hateful speech has unleashed acts of violence and abuse? Who will go for me into the towns where factories have closed and the jobs have disappeared? Who will go for me into the city halls and the state houses and the capitol buildings where decisions are made that protect the vulnerable or leave them to suffer? Who will go for me into the VA hospitals where scarce resources keep veterans from getting the care they need? Who will go for me and listen to those whose beliefs and choices seem incomprehensible to them? Who will go for me and listen to those who are fearful and anxious? Who will go for me to listen to the angry and the despairing? Whom shall I send? Asks God. Whom shall I send, God asks, in the year that King Uzziah died? Whom shall I send, God asks, in this year and this time? Who will step onto the path of peril and promise, bearing the fire of my love and my justice? Who will go for us? Whom shall I send? And Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. It can't have been an easy thing for him to say. He must have known it would be hard. He must have known what kind of times he was living in. He must have known what kind of resistance he might meet. And still he said it. Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. And into our world, our troubled world, our tumultuous times, God asks, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And we say, God says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And we say, Here are.